I'm going to take you on a roller coaster ride. I hope you are buckled up and have on 3D glasses. I'm talking about the ones from the 80s where you could see into the future. Bifocal 3D glasses. And I'm going to ask a simple question to begin with is, is this the season? Is this the season? I'm not talking about the Christmas season. I'm not talking about the Thanksgiving season. Is this the season? And I've got three points to make. Influencing people, bringing hope, and timing. And I'm going to cover a lot of Scripture. That way y'all can't say he's crazy and he doesn't know what he's talking about. But I'm going to start in Matthew 13, 33. The kingdom of heaven is like unto leaven, which a woman took and hid in three measures of meal till the whole was leaven. So everybody understand what leaven is? Leaven, uh, we call it yeast. Isn't that right, ladies? Bread makers? We call it yeast. That causes the lump of flour to rise. It says that the kingdom of heaven is like unto a lump of leaven, meaning the kingdom of heaven where a little bit goes, it causes the environment to grow. So one person... One person filled with the Holy Spirit, born again in a family, causes things to take place in that house that normally wouldn't take place without that. A lot of times we view our lives so small and so little in the, in the big spectrum of things. We're afraid to be what God created us to be. Anybody want to disagree? Galatians 5.9 says, A little leaven leaveneth the whole lump. It's repeating itself there. So we may view ourselves is insignificant that we don't do anything in the level of what we see in in the Word of God. But I want to remind you, these people that we see in the Word of God were normal people. And they encountered Jesus, and they took Jesus at His Word, literally took Him at His Word. The first church did not have a Bible to go by. And so we're so far advanced in things, we have no idea how advanced we are, but if we read the Word of God... And if we take God's word literally, meaning it says lay hands on the sick, I'm going to lay hands on the sick with the kind of faith that God's word says do it, and I'm going to let him do it through me. It's a season that we're coming into, and it means we're going to have to know the word of God, and we can't be afraid to do it. Uh, I wrote this down. It says we are to bring the environment with us wherever we go. Our intimate interaction with God radiates off of us. Arise and shine, church. If there, is any radi- if there isn't any radiation, then we have no association with the Father. And we have to remember that the cross is the beginning, not a resting place. A lot of us make it to salvation, but we never live in salvation. Uh, I don't know if any of y'all are familiar with World War II. Uh, Nazi Germany comes in and <clears throat> arrests and kidnaps all the Jewish people that they can get their hands on. And they send them to concentration camps. They kill them. Uh, they gas them, and the, the horrendous list goes on and on and on, the things they've done to them. And many of them were stuck on boxcars. A lot of them died of starvation. They froze to death. They died of dehydration. There were so many things that had to them, to them they wasn't tended to. But as the United Forces comes in and takes Germany, they get on these concentration camps and they set people free. And I've seen a picture of a railhead where they were opening up boxcars. And the younger generation was running as they opened up the boxcars, was jumping out of the boxcars, running for their lives. The older generation was peeking around the corner. See, the younger generation had heard what it was like to be free. The older generation, oh, excuse me, generation had told them about it, but the older generation was afraid to step into that freedom again. We cannot be afraid to step in to what God is doing. Because what God is doing right now is laying a foundation for the next season. A lot of times we don't view things as that. A lot of times we're lazy. Is there any lazy Christians in here? Come on. Oh, come on. Y'all have those uh, text messages that goes out 10 o'clock at night. uh, Please pray for Dorothy. And you hit like, put the phone down. You never say a prayer. Come on, you know you're guilty. That's what I'm talking about. We got some truthful. You'll make it to heaven. <laughs> All these other liars. <laughs> I'm just picking. That's terrible. Oh God, forgive me. <laughs> Going to Exodus 33. 
speaking of bad people, let's talk about Moses. Moses, uh, everybody knows who Moses is, I would, I would hope, in the room. But Moses had an opportunity to walk with God in a way that many of us uh, won't ever get to here on earth. said that Moses had the opportunity to look at God face-to-face and talk to Him as a friend. Now, granted, we all get to talk to Jesus as a friend, but to have a physical moment with God, Moses had it. <clears throat> but in Exodus 33, he is uh, bargaining with God. God, he says... Uh, my presence shall go with thee. This is what God tells him. See, he's, he's asking God to go with him. God promises him, my presence shall go with thee, and I will give thee rest. And he said to him, if thy presence <clears throat> if thy presence go not with me, carry us up not hence. Meaning, just take us out. Kill us if you're not going to go with us. Uh, verse 16 says, uh, for wherein shall it be known here that I and thy people have found grace in thy sight? Is it not in that that thou goest with us? So shall we be separate, I and thy people, from all the people that are upon the face of the earth. See, we, <clears throat> we miss the separation. God went with Israel because of this plea with Moses. God went with them. If, if you come with us, we want people to know that you're with us. Did we ever ask God for that? Because a lot of times in my Christian walk, I'm more worried about God can you provide instead of letting the world know that you're with me? Because in the, in the going and in the with, the provisions are met. Does that make sense? Their clothes didn't wear out for 40 years. They never went hungry. Water spewed out of a rock. They, the, the provisions were met. But the asking of presence meant more than the water coming out of the rock. Do you ask for presence? Because in the next season or the season that we're stepping into, that is going to be very, very valuable. Do we have the presence of God here? Because we have to have the presence of God here. Moses stayed uh, in there with uh, God. and says in the next chapter, I'm not going to bring it out, but Moses, when he comes out of the tent, his face glowed. When he went back down to general population, if you will, his face was glowing and it freaked everybody out. So much that he had to wear a veil. All they could see was his eyes. And see, the fear of that situation right there is a lot of us are going to encounter God in such a way that it's going to change our demeanor. It's going to change the way we walk. It's going to change the way we talk. It's going to change the way we think. And whenever we get back down to what you would call reality, the normal life, it is going to frighten people. It's going to, they're going to be frightened. They're going to ask you to shut up, cut it off, Go talk to somebody else. I'm tired of hearing that. And what the veil actually does is when the anointing goes away, no one sees it. No one knows it but you and God. And that's what happened to Moses. They couldn't see the glowing come off of his skin. Couldn't see it. But he knew it was leaving. And see, so that's the fear of the veil. Is that whenever we allow people to tell us not to or to do things differently that opposes what the Word of God says and we back off, we hide those things, the anointing starts to go away. But standing there open face, guess what? The world should see us go through seasons of glory and valley. Glory and valley. Because that's realistic. God is, God is a realist. He created us knowing that there were flaws in us knowing that His glory was going to complement us and make it through. But we get to these places where, you know what? I don't need God's glory. I'm going to do it on my own. Anybody ever prayed for something and when God fulfilled that prayer, you stopped seeking God and found yourself right back in the place? And it's a vicious cycle, right? It's what Israel does. If you study Israel's life in the Old Testament, they just wander in circles, it seems like. They're in God's favor. They get in trouble. They cry out to God. Something happens. They get set free. They're back in God's favor. They take the favor. It makes them lazy. And it keeps going around and around and around. It looks like our life. It looks like my life. I get, get in this place where the anointing I have on my life, a lot of times is the last season anointing. And I try to bring it into the next season. But guess what? That last season anointing isn't going to work in what's fixing to take place here. That last season anointing was for last season. If it's the last season mentality you've got, you've got to ask God to renew your mind. Read uh, <clears throat> Romans chapter 12. 
start there. 2 Corinthians 3, 15 through 18. This is, covers Moses in his veil. says, but even unto this day when Moses is read, he's talking about the law. The veil is upon their hearts. A lot of times if I tell you what the law says, God's law says, you cover your heart up. That doesn't apply to me. <clears throat> Nevertheless, when it shall turn to the Lord, the veil shall be taken away. Now the Lord is that spirit. And where the spirit of the Lord is, there is? Now let's try this again. Where the spirit of the Lord is, there is? Okay. But we all, with open face, beholding as in a glass the glory of the Lord, are changed into the image from glory to glory, even as by the Spirit of the Lord. Be you, the anointed you, not the fake you. Be you. God created you with you in mind. He did not create a room full of pastor lots. He did not create a room full of Adam Boykins. He did not create a room full of you, you fill in the blanks. You're you, uniquely you, completely uniquely you, that God wants to add His anointing to you to get His purpose out of you. See, without the anointing, purpose doesn't take place. We're just faking it. Anybody, well, I say anybody run, I run an iron. I burned a shirt the other day. I don't think anybody run an iron. That little knob on there, uh, it's called settings. And guess what? Uh, cotton and that uh, polyester cool stuff is not the same thing. <clears throat> yeah, the first-hand experience, I learned a shirt. So anybody can look church, anybody. Anybody can memorize the songs, anybody. Anybody can memorize Bible, Bible verses and compete on a state level. Oh, guess what? I've got all these to remember, but not anybody can fake an anointing. No one can fake an anointing. That anointing, I promise you, when you are intimate with God and God's glory is upon you and you walk without the veil on your face, that anointing right there is so unique to you, no one can replicate it. Find it. Find it. Look for it. I mean, how bad do you want to fulfill what God's purpose is in your life? Bad enough to pursue God? To ask for His presence? That's the questions you've got to ask yourself of what's coming. pastor asked a huge question what, four weeks ago. says, what's God telling you? I want to know what God's telling you. What's God telling you? What, what, what is the word that he's given you? Now, are you doing anything? Be you, the anointed you. <clears throat> so that's the influence and the change. We're going to bring some hope now. <clears throat> Our culture here at All Seasons says we're a serving church. We're a worshiping church. Man, we, woo, can we worship here? We can worship until there's not enough tissues on the stage. We can worship to the point that, I mean, there, there's no comparison in a lot of ways. But the serving, the heart of the serving, that is, that's where we are. That's how All Seasons got to be All Seasons. This didn't put itself together. It's not uh, the whole evolution theory uh, and the, the Big Bang theory. That's not how all seasons got here. God created people, gave them minds, gave them vision, and they served. Does that make sense? A lot of times we look at stuff and we just think God's rolling dice, you know, 7 come 11, you know, rolling dice out there. Oh, they get a steeple. And we, we view it like that in the offering plate, but that's not how it works. That's not how it works. That's how we pretend to be the church. That's how we come to church. But being the church, that's part of serving. Serving, serving, serving. Matthew 5, 14, 16 says, uh, The light of the world, you're the light of the world. A city that is set upon a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do men light a candle and put it under a bushel, but on a candlestick. And it giveth light unto all that are in the house. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. I'm sorry I chuckled. I thought of something. <clears throat> Anybody remember Hurricane Katrina? Yeah, we got some miserable people in here. I had a friend that was telling me a story about it. He lived in Macomb, Mississippi, and I didn't get to meet him until uh, 2010, 2011. So I didn't know him then. He said they, they were setting their candles up on shelves so they could light up the whole room. And uh, all their candles was short. 
And so they just put the candles on the shelves where they had one of those old-timey candles. You know the ones I'm talking about, ladies. Y'all used to put them on the walls back in the 90s. And they had it setting up on a shelf, and it scorched the sheetrock on the ceiling. And he was telling the story about it. So we put them on the shelves so you, you could see the floor around you. Okay, I want you to take that analogy, that mindset, that true story right there, and I want you to view the light of the world being on a hill. You're the light of the world. Not supposed to be hiding. When's the last time you shared your testimony, your testimony, your unique testimony where you met Jesus, born again, saved, filled with the Spirit, or that time that God showed up, showed out, and that prayer you prayed happened? When's the last time you shared that? Or something similar to that? Because the last time I read my Bible, it doesn't say that the pastor or the pastors or the worship team or sister so-and-so are the only people accountable for sharing the love of Christ. The only people accountable for speaking. The only people accountable for serving. Please, I'm trying to smile. Y'all got to nod y'all's head at me. There's more to being the church than just being part of something. We're never going to be saved and born again by association. You can go to prison because of association, but you cannot go to heaven because of association. You go to heaven because of intimacy. Intimacy starts at the cross. It's not the cross, though. Please grab that in your mind. Tattoo it in your heart. Put it on the back of your eyelids when you go to sleep at night. The cross is the starting point. It's not the ending point. It's the beginning. Romans 14, 7, The kingdom of God is not meat or drink, but righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Ghost. Where's the tambourines at? If you, if you know me well enough, I make a lot of jokes about tambourines. So uh, if you don't know me well enough, maybe you need to. <laughs> So righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. So righteousness, peace, and joy. First thing I experienced when I was born again was peace. Very first thing. I had a storm that started in me when I was a little boy that from time to time it would calm down. The winds would kind of slow down. The eye of the storm would pass over. We would see sunlight. And then the backside would come and it would just go back and forth. That, that was what was going on in my heart and in my mind. But the morning that I woke up born again, I'm talking about born again, filled with the Spirit, all things new, the storm quit. That was the sign in my life that I knew God had done something in me because this had never happened before. Peace. Righteousness is something that's hard to explain if you've never experienced it. Righteousness is not... I'm going to do it just because I want to. Righteousness is not you're wrong, I'm right. Righteousness is something Jesus did that you put on. It's His righteousness, not yours. It's not what you did right. It's not what I did right. It's what He did right, and that's what I walk in. That's what true righteousness is. And a lot of times we do not feel right. It's the reason we don't walk out what the Word of God says. I'm not good enough. Anybody ever battled that? Because you know that you stretched the truth yesterday, or you said a cuss word, or you thought a bad thought, or you looked at a, at a person too long with the, the wrong kind of eyes, and you feel like you're not right. Well, guess what? A lifestyle with God is a lifestyle of repentance. Meaning you, it's not a one and done. Baby, you got to do it every day, nonstop, nonstop. Meaning I get up, I repent, I go to town, oh God, I got to, oh God, forgive me. I, it is nonstop. Repentance is nonstop. But guess what? If that is the lifestyle, then that means righteousness is readily available. Because if I'm continually talking to God, please help me with my shortcomings, and I welcome His presence in, guess what? That righteousness is right there. That means I get to walk what this says. Get to walk it. <clears throat> Joy. Anybody have any issues with joy? I'm not talking about the crazy woman at the other church. I'm talking about joy. I'm talking about real joy. And that's a sign. If you cannot conjure up joy, that's a sign that something's wrong. Because God's people are joyful. 
And when it comes on the serving side, when it comes to the serving side, love, peace, joy. I'm sorry, the fruit of the Spirit isn't there. The Spirit ain't there. We're looking for signs. We're looking for wonders. We're looking for the power of the Holy Spirit. We're looking for all these gifts to take place. But if the fruit of the Spirit isn't there, all the other stuff's just for show. We're seeking God for the wrong reasons. I want me to be right. I'm a little selfish on that. I I want me to be right. I want to be right with God. I want to be intimate with God. That way I can be effective in your life. And so that's where serving comes out of that relationship. We serve so that Jesus can be seen, not us. I found it hard in the beginning not to take credit. Does that make sense? I wanted credit because that was the mentality that I had. I did this. Look what I did. And some days I have a hard problem saying I or me. That's, That's a selfish nature. That's, that's part of that old man. He's in there. But our reason for serving is so that Christ can be seen. That's the only reason to serve. Not to facilitate, not to just be nice because this is what we do. Your intentions from a servant perspective has to be so Christ can be edified. So Christ can be edified. Get that in your mind here. That when we have the opportunity to serve, it's for Jesus' sake, not ours. Many t- people talk about how the world is getting darker. This, I, I, I know why I put this in here. I'm getting there. And I've been guilty of this myself, but Jesus never mentions this in Scripture, and the world is not getting darker. He himself stated that the church would get brighter. God's design of works brings light. The world's not getting darker. You're not going to find that in Scripture. What you will find is what I've already shared, that you're the light of the world. And if the world is getting darker, darker, it's because you're not producing light. You're trying to reflect light. Our job is not to reflect, it's to produce. A lot of times we have the opportunity to share about where we go to church. And guess what? We want as many people we can get here. I, I want to baptize people that we, we get all the water out of the baptistry on the people and we have to fill it back up. I want, a, I want a nonstop baptism train going here. I want to see people filled with the Spirit. But guess what? If all we can reflect is our church life and not Christ, we're missing it. If Christ is not shining through, our reflection of who we are and what we are part of is not enough for God. He wants it all. He wants all of you. He wants to shine through you. And whenever we hide those things back, we're cutting Him short not ourselves. <clears throat> he, did not, he did not lower himself down to our level, start out as a baby, grow, go through all the troubles of life, die, was raised again. He didn't go through all of that so that we could just happenstance stumble in to heaven. We're born into the kingdom. Heirs, co-heirs. That means we are heirs with what he worked for. And I may be skipping ahead right here. But technically, we're seated at the right hand of the Father right now with the Son. Technically, that's where we are in the Spirit. Do you take advantage of that? Because that's where airship comes in. If the Son has access to the Father, and if I'm seated at the right hand of the Father with the Son, that means I have access with the Father. Hebrews Seven, I believe, says for us to go boldly into the throne room. Who's in the throne room? That means we get access to the secret places of God should we choose to meditate into that. A lot of us don't ever even, I'll be be honest with you, I didn't try to do that for a while. But something clicked in there. God, if there's more, I'm a very literal person. God, if your word says that I want to know about this, I need revelation on this. I want access to this. And we approach God from that sin. That was a prayer, by the way. God, if your word says this, I want access to it. That's a prayer. A lot of times we don't view conversation as prayer with God. We think we've got to get into a... What other crazy people are in here other than me that actually talk to God, walk around talking to God? 
Thank God. Thank you, Jesus. I said, I feel all right now. And that's what he expects. That's what he expects. Granted, we have those moments where we step into something and we're interceding in faith. Oh my gosh, I've been in some of those meetings where you knew without a doubt God was there and we have pulled heaven down. Knew without a doubt. But my daily walk is kind of normal. It says that Adam walked with God in the garden. Book of Genesis chapter 3. Adam walked with God and talked with Him. Not that I'm that Adam, I'm this Adam. But if he can do it, hear me? If he can do it, why can't I do it? Why can't I get so close that I can hear his voice and know that it's his voice? And not say, I feel like God is telling me or I think God is telling me and get to the point where I say, God said. That's available for all of us. Every person in this room You are created to be a minister. That is scriptural. That means you minister unto the Lord. That's what King David did. Study his life, how he ministered to God. Look and see where David's heart was at. He was known as, anybody know what David was known as? Man after God's own heart? Said that David ministered unto the Lord. He walked with God. He took the office of a priest. He, you and I, We're priests. Every person in this room. You're not a high priest, but you are a priest. You get to go to God. And if we don't take advantage of that, we're going to get to heaven and go, I could have the whole time. The whole time. I had access to this the whole time. Can you imagine the way we're going to look? When the revelation comes in that we had access to His presence the whole time? That we had access to His voice the whole time? Whenever we back up and go, I knew you was talking to me then, but I didn't do anything. The whole time. Our personal gospel can point to an organization instead of Jesus. I covered that. Our motives are important. Let your light shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify the Father which is in heaven. But there's a conflict. Matthew 6, that was Matthew 5 that I quoted. But Matthew 6, there's a conflict. Jesus tells them, don't let your right hand know what your left hand's doing, or let let your left hand know what your right hand's doing. (laughs) Don't let people see you working. There's a conflict there, right? I got this scripture on one side of my head. I got this scripture on the other side of my head. What's the conflict? It's motive. It's motive. If we do things to be seen, we'll be seen. uh, Jesus talks about uh, the Pharisees fasting and praying in the streets. He says they've got their reward. They've got what they wanted. They got the recognition here. But we want the recognition from above. Right? So whenever we serve, we have to serve from a servant's heart, not from the place of whenever my sister-in-law comes, I want her to see me greeting people at the door. I've done it. I'm, I'm, I'm bashing at them right now. Our, our hearts can't be in that place. Our hearts have to be in the place of I am here on behalf of the King of Kings. I am an ambassador for the King of Kings. That is all I am. But I want you to meet the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, my God. And if that's what's on our heart, and if that's the way we look at every situation related to serving, we can't mess up. Did you know that your workplace is a place to serve? Oh, that really got some people. That servant's heart, that servant's mentality doesn't, get left at the door like the umbrellas do in the bucket outside. That is who you are. That's who you are away from here. You can't be that here if you're not that away from here. Because one of the two people are fake. If not both. We the church tend to reflect more light than we put off or shine. 
but we should shine enough to draw enough attention through our testimony that we glorify God. Mark 10, 37 says, For even the Son of Man came not to be ministered unto, but to minister, and to give His life a ransom for many. Jesus said that. So from which heaven do you live from? Man, we got some people looking confused. Yes! Man, I love saying stuff like this. First heaven, we're here. Second heaven. Anybody know what second heaven is? Second heaven is what Satan has dominion over. Read Ephesians 6. We battle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities that be in the heavens. So if we know Satan's not in the third heaven with God, because he was cast out, he's got to be in the second heaven. But we have the opportunity as believers to live third heaven down. And we get to do that through praying the Lord's Prayer. Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Meaning we get access to pray heaven down. We have access to stay with God, to sit with God, to be with God, to never let our minds stop meditating on God. That is, that is an option. Do not for one second say that your life complicates your walk with God. As I just got off a phone the other day with a lady that's laying in a hospital bed in New Orleans, praising God and all kind of pain. We cannot let our lives complicate our relationship with God. That is a poor excuse. That is a very poor excuse. <clears throat> I'm preaching to Adam right now, God. Ephesians 2, 4 through 10 says, uh, But God, who is rich in mercy, for his great love wherewith he loves us, or he loved us. Everybody say that. He loves me. I'll say it. He loves me. Just like he wrote you a love letter and you there at the end, I love you. He loves me. Anybody remember those movies from the 70s and the 80s where they said, oh, he loves me. We should bask in God's love like that, like some childish. Wait a minute, doesn't it tell us to be like children? We should view God's love like that. He loves, he loved, I'm the one he loves. When John, the revelator, John who wrote the gospel, John, referred to himself as the one who Jesus loved. They were Everybody's arguing over who's the greatest, who's the best, who's the thief, who does the least, and John's over here going, he loves me. Just imagine getting so wrapped up in God's love that you spill it on people, that you just leave it everywhere you go. Oh, I, I bumped into you. Oh, my God, what is this on me? What is this? Have you ever been around people that seem like they melted in your hands as instantly when you went to talking, you come in the building worshipped up? You weren't even going to talk about Jesus, but Jesus was all over you. And the next thing you know, we're talking about Jesus. That should be normal. Standard operating procedures. That's what they say in big companies. SOPs. If there's any big plant company people in here. <clears throat> I'm not. Oh, well, back to his love. He loves me. Even when we were dead in our sins, he loved me. He hath quickened us together with Christ. By grace, we are saved. And he has raised us up together and made us sit together. That means all of us. That means the Baptists, the Methodists, the Presbyterians, the Pentecostals. We're all sitting together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus, that in the ages to come He might show the exceeding riches of His grace in His kindness towards us through Christ Jesus. For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works. Can't work your way into heaven. Lest any man should boast, for we are His workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God hath before ordained that we should talk, that we should walk in them. So since we were talking about serving, you can't serve your way in. 
But if everything else is entangled in there that we just read, the love, the willingness to get together with people, serving's part of it. It's a big part of it. It's in our DNA as Christians. We don't get to leave that DNA to the side. And in my closing, man, I was supposed to finish in 30 minutes. <laughs> That's all right. Y'all want to go to the end? Yes or no? Come on, y'all only get me like once in a while. All right, timing. Who knows who George Washington is? Yes. Got some people that's had quarters before. Yes. I went to uh, Mount Vernon. Uh, we, we took a trip, uh, let's see, three years ago, we went up to the northeast there. Not up to the north, northeast, but to Virginia, West Virginia, all that. And we went to Mount Vernon. And so I, I got to see where George Washington lived. We went in his house, went to his bedroom, got to see, I mean, everything. And <clears throat> that, in turn, caused me to study on George Washington a little bit. And he had some pretty cool quotes, but there was a word that he used over and over and over again called providence. And here's a quote that he wrote. He says, uh, by the all-powerful dispensations of providence, I have been protected beyond all human probability and expectation. For I had four bullets through my coat. And two horses shot out from under me, yet escaped unhurt, although dead, although death was leveling my companions on every side. He wrote that. 1776. He wrote that. One of his buddies. My, my coat has bullet holes in it. But I'm still here. It's pretty awesome. But he uses the word providence, providence, providence. So what is providence? Oh, the protective care of God or a nature as a spiritual power. So I got to studying on this, got to praying about it. So what, what is providence? And this all ties together with God. Why do some prayers that I pray, why do you not answer them? Yeah, we're going to cover something tough. Why do, why do you not answer that? Why can, why can the, the best excuse I come up with is the excuse that people that don't have any faith comes up with? I want to take some credit for why things aren't happening. I want to fix this. Whatever's not right in here, I want this to line up with what's happening up here. That way my prayers are effective over here. So we see George Washington declaring providence. So I wrote, when, uh, <clears throat> when our free will lines up with the sovereignty of God, we will find providence. Free will. You got free will. You get to choose to or not to love God. You get to choose to accept His love or to reject His love. And God is sovereign. He's the creator of all things. You remember the song, He's got the whole world. There we go. That's what I'm saying. But if He is the Creator that holds it all together, and He is sovereign, and I've got the free will to say that I come from a monkey, and I don't accept that, and it's too simple, well, actually, it's too complicated, because I can't explain it. It's bigger than me. But if I say, God, I want my will to line up with Your sovereignty, and I want my voice to be Your voice, and I want the footsteps that I leave to look like yours. And I want my serving hands to look like your serving hands. And then without a doubt, without a doubt, I believe that my prayers can be effective. Because I'm coming from a place that I'm not looking at circumstances and how they affect me. I'm looking through the lens of God's heart at the circumstances in other people's lives. And that puts me on the back burner. And it puts him up front. We are living in epoch times. What epoch is, <clears throat> is seasonal. We have winter, spring, summer, fall, right? And so we see seasons in, in time in general. In the Bible, we see seasons, epoch seasons. We see, I mentioned earlier, where Israel is running and doing good for 40 years and then 40 years in slavery. And then they're coming out of slavery, back in another epoch season, and then back in slavery. 
And so we're in epoch moments nonstop in our lives, whether we realize it or not. They're going on around you, and you may be going on with it, or you may be outside of it. We often call that the will of God. But a moment versus a movement. I want you to think about this. We have one word in our English language for, for time. But in the Greek language, which most of the New Testament's written in Greek, uh, Old Testament's written in Hebrew, they have two words. They have the word called kairos, which is for moments, and the word chronos, which is season. So we experience seasonal things with God, but we have a kairos moment a lot of times that completely changes everything. And so I had a kairos moment whenever I was born again, but that also started me into a chronos moment. Does that make sense? So whenever we set ourselves up for God to, to bring us into a new season, the waiting and the wanting for that, that little spark, that little snap, and then to step into what's taking place. There's a lot of fear in that, so I'm going to cover as quickly as I can a few people's lives, and then I'm going to, I'm just going, y'all told me to keep going, so, okay, all right, so I want you to think of, everybody in here familiar with Elijah and Elisha, Elijah was a prophet, Elisha was his predecessor, Elijah uh, was out there by himself, he went crazy, uh, Went and hid in a cave after he faced off. I'm just giving you the, the, the poor, broken English version of this. And God tells him, get your tail out of the cave. I want you to go find Elisha. And so Elijah comes up and Elijah wore a mantle, a mantle, a camel hair, a little belt tied around his waist. Well, he takes his mantle off and he comes by Elisha and he brushes that mantle across Elisha. Well, what happened to Elisha was he came in contact with the anointing that was going to be his. But it wasn't time. We have moments where we come in contact with God and we experience something and we base everything we do off of that moment. What God showed us in that moment, what we experienced in that moment was not meant for a moment. It was an experience that was supposed to go over a seasonal expansion there. And we never pursue that moment. We call that moment good enough. Uh, used to, <clears throat> all right, I'm a Holy Ghost guy. I'm sorry, I'm just going to come out with it. I'm a Holy Ghost guy. Can't hide it anymore. Used to, we, we viewed someone's salvation or them coming into contact with God with uh, praying in tongues. And it would be a one-moment thing. And that would be it. I've done it. I have it. It's over. Same view that we have with uh, the cross, that it's enough to say we walk with God. But if you nail to a cross, you're not walking with God. You're hanging on. Hmm, it's hard to get a shirt made. That's good. Thank you, Jesus. Uh, <laughs> but there's more to our walking with God than just a moment. That moment may be a catalyst that sets the foundation for what's coming, but we have to pursue what just happened in the season coming? Does that make sense? We can have a, I'm, ser I'm serious, we can have a swing from the, from the trust revival here, 10,000 people through here in three months, but if it makes no kind of futuristic impact, it was just three months of, woo! I, I want to see people, if, if it's only 50 of us, I want to see people walking in the fullness of what God has called us to be because if God can take 12 men, and turn the world upside down. What can he do with 50 men, women, and children? Can we, can we take Forrest? Can we take Scott County back from the devil? Think we can spread into the state? That's what I'm talking about. I'm, I'm not talking about so much in just serving on this campus. I'm talking about serving everywhere. That everywhere we are, everything that we do, we're doing it on behalf of God. And that anointing that Elisha chased for 13 years eventually become his, in his season. <clears throat> so Moses, I'm sure we all heard of Moses. I've mentioned him all right already, but <clears throat> we're going to hit Moses' life. So Moses comes on the scene. There's a 400-year prophecy that Israel will be in bondage to Egypt. 
Moses comes on the scene. It is year 360 whenever Moses kills the Egyptian guard. The fight was in Moses. The season wasn't there yet. Moses runs, meets his new-to-be father-in-law, Jethro, the priest of Midian, encounters a burning bush. Forty years later, he's facing Pharaoh. Now it's the season to set the captives free. Sometimes God can put something in us. We're born with it. We don't know what it is. It may be a calling to preach whenever you were seven years old. Don't know what it is. I have this desire. I don't know what to do with it. And you have it bottled up and then you get this moment to unsheathe it. You hurt some people. (laughs) You put it back up. It's out of season. Doesn't mean what you've got in you is wrong. You just have to know if it's the season or not. That's where the walk in the relationship with God is so important. Because I want to walk in what he's called me to walk in. But I want to walk in it in the right season. <clears throat> Forty years later, Moses uh, sets the nation of Israel free. Moses understood Egyptian culture and politics. Is there things that you've been through in your life that you probably understand better than me? Even though I may have an idea of what it is, but you understand it. Could God send you back into that Egypt to set captives free? Ooh, lights, camera, action. Facing Pharaoh as a mature man. So I want you to see Moses here. A mature man who had recently encountered God gave him the upper hand. Moses approached the situation from a literal perspective. God said, go. Moses went. God said, say this. Moses said it. God said, drop your staff. Moses dropped his staff. Does that make sense? Please, please, please grab it. And then too late for the promise. Israel missed the promised land by fear. God sets Israel free. Moses leads them into the wilderness. Three days, three nights. Smoke by day, fire by night. They come to the Jordan River. The promised land's on the other side and they would not cross the river. Same people. Should have stepped into the promised land at the 400 year mark, but they had to wait to the 440 mark. That whole generation died out. You hear where I'm going with this? God's going to give us opportunities in this next season or the season we're looking at, the season pastor's preaching about, the season a lot of us are dreaming about and already getting words for. We can't be afraid. Perfect love casts out all fear. That's what John said, 1 John chapter 4. Our mentality in last season will not serve us well in this new season. I'm going to ask you again, what's God saying? What has God already said? We have to focus on the here right now and not the there so much because the there, if we're not careful, the there causes us to miss the here. Psalms, uh, oh my gosh, 119 verse 105, a lamp unto my feet, a light unto my path. Those are two different seasons. There's sometimes God is wanting us to focus on the footsteps, and there's other times God shows us where to run. And right now we're in one of those seasons that we have to focus on the footsteps. But some of us is already getting the, the road plan for up ahead, and we can't be afraid to run. When the, when the folks around us start to say, especially those we trust spiritually, start to say it's time, we need to listen. We need to take a chance on it's time. We need to wade out across the water. <clears throat> uh, view yourself as a missionary and as a minister. We all often uh, view missionaries as somebody we send out of the country. This is, this is our country right here. And when you leave the campus, you're a missionary. You're also a minister. How do you serve? From where do you serve? Why do you serve? 
Whom do you serve? Scripture says, ask yourself this, whom do you serve? Ask yourself this day, whom do you serve? Figure out how to be in ministry. If you want to be in ministry, I promise you there's room here. But do it from the heart, His heart, not your heart. There's room in ministry here at all seasons. And the beginning question, who knows what the question was? Is this the season? Yes, this is the season. Please stand. Uh, bow your heads, close your eyes, put your hand on your heart. Dear Heavenly Father, I ask right now that the words I've spoken, Lord, that they, if they didn't come completely in love, Lord, I pray that you cover them in your love and that you implant your words in our heart and in our mind. Lord, help us to see your promise in this season not to be afraid to fulfill our calling and our destiny. Help us to do all things from your heart with your outcome in mind. Lord, I pray that we are able to shine your light through our lives and not worry about who it gets on, not worry about who it offends. Lord, I know the truth offends, but the truth also sets captives free. Please let us have that in mind and all that we do. In Jesus' name. Uh, is there anybody here tonight needing special prayer? Anybody that uh, may not have let Jesus be your Lord and Savior yet? Uh, if you will, please come down. And if you've got to go, I understand I'll hang around to pray. Uh, y'all have a good night. What's the pastor say? Go give the devil fits. I love y'all. See y'all Sunday.